This is Daniel Figella, head of research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. This week kicks off our full week with one single focus, and that is improving enterprise culture to become ready for AI. One of the biggest hurdles across all industries is changing the way enterprises think opening up to the ability to iterate, opening up to the ability to experiment and to collaborate in new ways to allow AI to grow. When culture doesn't change, we stay stuck in what we call popcorn projects, where AI happens in little dark corners, and we never really learn much from it, and we're never able to evolve and genuinely transform as a company. We have an amazing lineup of guests over the course of the next five days focused exclusively on this topic of culture. And we're kicking off with a guest that we're proud to have on the show, and that is Seth Dobrin, who is IBM's chief AI officer. This is the chief AI officer of the entirety of IBM. This is a you know, hundreds of thousands of persons company, one of the best known artificial intelligence companies in the world and for many decades. And Seth is running the show there. We're lucky enough to have him with us speaking on this topic of culture today. When I first interviewed Seth for this episode, we started thinking about what it looks like to build out an AI roadmap when it comes to adopting AI and casting sort of a plan forward, but it quickly spilled directly into the topic of culture. And Seth drops a lot of fantastic insights on what it takes to shift culture. What does it take to get the folks at the top to see the value of AI and allow that to make an impact and trickle down to individual uh, heads of business units and individual line workers within a large enterprise. Lots of hands-on experience from Seth in this episode, and I think it's a great kickoff for the rest of the series. We have leaders from Facebook, from SAP, from Intel. We've got some amazing big names uh, in the rest of this series, but Seth is a great place to kick things off, talking about making culture change actionable. So I don't want to wait another minute. I want to roll right into this episode. Without further ado, this is Seth Dobrin, the Chief AI Officer of IBM, here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Seth, we're going to be speaking today about the topic of building an AI roadmap. This is a war drum that we beat uh, very, very loud here at Emerge in terms of the necessity of understanding this concept. And I know that you think about the idea of an AI roadmap kind of underneath the broader umbrella of AI being a human-centered technology. There's a lot of buzzwords out in the world, but you know, you mean something by this, and this is going to be important to explain roadmaps. Talk a little bit about what human-centered means from, from your approach or IBM's approach, and then we'll, we'll spin that into the broader topic. Yeah, so so I think you know I've, I've been in the space for much longer than I've been at IBM, and and over the years I've learned that the best, most impactful way to implement AI or or frankly any technology is understanding who's going to be using it, what they're going to be using it for, how they're going to be using it, and why they're going to be using it in the first place, and also who's potentially going to be impacted by it. And, and I think about this as when I give talks about it, I, I start the talk by, you know, the title of the talk is human, AI is human-centered. And, and that's really what I mean. And this relates directly to a strategy or a roadmap, because when you're building out your roadmap, you want to make sure that your AI strategy, which is essentially what your roadmap is, is connected to your business strategy, but is also connected to the business the business users and the people that are going to be building the AI and using the AI. 
Yeah. So a, a lot of things to, I guess, factor and consider, I guess what you're saying is the real grounding soil of our business strategy and where AI fits in is, again, who's being impacted? How are they being impacted? How are they going to use this stuff? What's the value going to be for them? Exactly. I mean, we have to remember the whole reason we're doing this is to make our lives and our customers' lives better, cheaper, and faster. Yeah, I, I think I think it's tough to run a business if you if you lose track of of that as kind of your your guiding tenet. So so okay. So th- this is sort of the overall umbrella we're operating under. You know, I mentioned with you off microphone. We kind of we, we have a, for those of our listeners who are Emerge Plus members, we have an article called Phasic AI Roadmap. You can go on Google, type in Phasic AI Roadmap, Emerge, E-M-E-R-J, and you'll find kind of our infographic about this. We, we think about the real necessity of building AI maturity at the same time as we build early capabilities, because there's going to be things we want to do with recommendations, with detecting fraud, with automating processes that are just too many steps ahead. We're, we're not quite mature yet enough in terms of talent, data infrastructure. And so we got to see our early projects as opportunities to build that capability and then reach farther, reach farther, and and strive deeper towards our our strategy here. But the devil's in the detail, Seth. And, you know, I'd love to get your idea about how you like to explain the relevance of an AI roadmap to business leaders. Because as you're aware, Seth, this is different than IT. You know, IT, we kind of think about it maybe like a lot of the time, we're just kind of jacking something into the business. AI, we're we're making a culture shift. We're we're building new capabilities. How do you explain the relevance of this roadmap type approach to business folks that are really used to just IT as usual? Yeah, so so I think, you know, one big difference, as you alluded to, Dan, about, you know, implementing AI is there's a cultural change that's required. And the best way I've found over the years to drive cultural change is through value statements and then backing those statements up with results. And, and so, you know, when people ask me, well, how do I start building an AI strategy and how do I start doing AI? You know, the answer to the latter question is start doing it. You know, you, you have a good idea what's an, a good place to apply it and apply it. And while your team is doing that, and that's kind of like, you know, just, just get going phase, you also have part of your team building an AI strategy. Uh, and this is where you get together with the business leaders and you understand what are the business decisions that they need to make to run their business? So what is essentially, what is the business strategy? What are your OKRs? And we, we usually go in and start with OKRs, whether it's internally in IBM, internally in my previous company or with, with customers. So what are your OKRs? And where are the areas that AI can add value? And then how do you turn, you know, what, what are the models that are necessary to deliver those? And then underneath all that, there's a whole conversation about data maturity. So what is the data maturity for each decision that I need to drive? So not overall, each decision. So we talk about, you know, AI, you know, the journey to AI is being a ladder, right? We have the AI ladder and there's four steps, collect, organize, analyze, and infuse. Traditional thinking, waterfall type thinking, you would go in and you would build out each rung of those ladders, each rung, if you're lucky, if you're super good, six to nine months. So you wouldn't start getting value for, you know, six to nine months times four, right? So think about how do I use these specific use cases to understand the maturity of my data in that collect, organize, analyze, and infuse phase. So what is the maturity of, do I have the right data to begin with to build this model? A, yes or no. If I don't, what do I need to do to collect it? So how do I make sure that the business starts collecting the data with the right metadata, with the right quality, and that we can get to it and it's governed properly so that I can start building models off it. 
So you either can or you can't, and you have roadmap to, to fix that. That's part of the roadmapping exercise. You know, the next thing to evaluate for that when you're looking at maturity of, for a given use case again, a given outcome, do I have the right governance around this? So if I wanted my data science team to build an AI model to understand customer lifetime value, do I have the right governance to allow my team to get the access to the data they need without putting personal information at risk or jeopardizing the reputation of the company? And then again, there are steps you can take to fix that. That's part of becomes part of the roadmap. And then kind of getting into, do I have the right tools to add to, to build the model in the first place? Do I have the right skills, right? So the right people from a skills perspective, if not, what do I need to do to fix that? And then how is someone going to be using this? So back to the human centered approach, when you talk about infusing it, you're infusing it with who's going to be using it, how are they going to be using it and why are they going to be using it so that you can do this process holistically. That enables you to prioritize. So one factor that goes into your prioritization is how quickly could I implement this model, right? That's step one. The other access that you want to use to prioritize this is what is the value to me? And eventually you want to get to the point where you're working on the highest value, easiest to implement you know, uh, opportunities first. But getting back to the question about where do you start? I say, as you're going around and understanding, you know, the different business strategies and where you can apply AI, you'll quickly learn which parts of your business are going to be your advocate. So which which parts of the business are really excited about this opportunity? I would say throw value to the side and focus on making those people incredibly successful. Because just like research has shown over and over again, companies who use AI dramatically outperform companies that don't. Parts of companies that use AI dramatically outperform parts of companies that don't. Help them be successful. You'll do something that you can either look at positively as leading through example or from a stick perspective as leading through shame because eventually the CEO is going to be pointing at the people that are leveraging AI and they're going to look to the rest of their direct reports and go, why aren't you doing what she's doing? Okay, cool. And actually, I like that last point. So what we've talked about here, Seth, more or less, is, is a little bit more around identifying AI opportunities, kind of these early steps to a roadmap, of course, we need to start somewhere. And so you're, you're beginning with this first step, which is a great place for us to begin. And you're bringing up a great insight, which is, we want to look at our AI opportunities in terms of speed to deployment, which we could also maybe think of as cost, right? I mean, you know, it's kind of what are the resources required to get this thing off the ground? Is this two years of data prep or whatever? And then what is the value? And we want to find those low, those potentially low-ish hanging fruit opportunities. But you're also saying, Cool. Go ahead and rank all your opportunities, but also bias yourself by starting with the people who are hungry as heck for this, who it's not only a good technology for, for them, it could be valuable for them, but they've also got the genuine enthusiasm to drive this through to success. What you're saying is find those pockets of the business and make sure they're the ones to chase it down and succeed as opposed to just a cold side by side you know, plot of, you know, speed to deployment and value. You, you, you seem to be doubling down on that. Is, is, am I hitting on that correctly? Absolutely. Because you know what, the, we get back to what we started with, right? The biggest challenge of this is not building the AI. It's not getting the data. It's not all those things I talked about. It's the one I kind of implied a little bit, which is the cultural shift. And adoption is the biggest inhibitor to AI. All day. That's yep. To companies getting value from AI as adoption. And, and I think I, I want to touch on one thing you said too about, about kind of what it takes to do this. 
when I build AI, when I build models internally, we do use an agile approach. So, you know, I think most people, most of your yep, listeners they'll be familiar, should, sure. should be familiar with agile, but our goal is to generate value in as little as six weeks and value can be, have we fixed the governance problem? Have we fixed the data to, in some cases, we've actually sold a, started selling a product or one of our customers started selling a product in six weeks from work that we did that we started from scratch. So, I mean, value runs the whole spectrum, but you need to demonstrate value often and loudly as you're going through this process to help drive the cultural change. Yeah, often and loudly. And there's a lot of pros and cons uh, to this general dynamic. We've, we've had other folks on the show. It was, it was said once uh, in an interview that if we can't really make any headway to show anybody anything in six to eight weeks, probably it's going to take two years uh, to even show anything meaningful. So we want to find pockets where we can actually start to roll the stone. And the upside of this is that now we're accountable to finding those pockets and to showcasing that and building that enthusiasm. And that's a good thing. The potential downside is that we're kind of on like this, we're having to, to have these little lighthouses along the way in a way that on some occasions, not always, I think generally it's a good thing, but on some occasions might be tough to adhere to. We might have a project that really does require a, a tremendous amount of heavy lifting for data infrastructure, upgrading our team. And maybe sometimes we just won't be able to contribute to that because the leadership doesn't really understand the investment. They just need to keep seeing those wins. So it, it feels like there's a good and a bad. I'd say it's mostly good. But what, what are your thoughts about that? Because I know this dynamic very well, but I can also see, you know, again, the pros and cons. Yeah. So that's a really good question because it ties back to the last part of the start of this conversation, which is the strategy. And I talked about connecting to the overall corporate strategy, to building your AI strategy, to your data strategy. What's often missing when we do this is the teams that are executing have no idea how what they're doing is contributing back to the bigger picture. And that's because we talk about these huge chunks and you see these little pieces. And so when we're talking about addressing these two, I mean, I've, I've, I've worked on problems that took us four years to solve, but we measured those in six week sprints and we broke each of those four year problems down into what are the decisions that we need to make? What are the models? Because it's probably if it's a valuable decision, it's probably not one model. It could be five. It could be a hundred or more. And then what do I need to do to build each models and each model? And that builds your roadmap so that you can now start going to your executive teams and get them talking about roadmaps and sprints and saying, okay, in the first sprint, in the first month of this roadmap, here's the first sprint. Here's what the result of this sprint will be and invite them to the to once a month or once every six weeks, invite them to a sprint playback and say, here's the value we're generating. And I would argue that, you know, when you're going through and you're building a model, even if you're just architecting data in a unique way, that data in and of itself is going to provide value that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten from that data. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is going to take us right into the next topic. So we're really starting to double down on culture, and I'm not going to stop our momentum, Seth, because I think you have a lot to say here. Again, IBM works with the largest companies in the world. You guys are one of the largest companies in the world. And so the hands-on experience watching legacy firms try to adopt this, I think is a perspective that everybody listening can learn from. And so I, I want to hammer down on this culture stuff that, that you folks have so much experience in. You're talking now about uh, the communication of value, you know, 
by golly, do we talk a lot about this. So we have, and, and again, some of our members, if you people go on Google, the three kinds of AI ROI emerge. We talk, Seth, about measurable ROI, which is, hey, here's how much money we made or saved, or here's how we improve the customer service score. We talk about strategic ROI, that is to say, hey, boss, here's how much closer we are to this strategic mandate. You wanted better loyalty. You know, here's how this is moving us towards this anchor in the sky, this North Star that is important to us. Here's how we're making progress on a strategy. I don't have an exact number for you, but you can see this momentum is valuable. And then the third is capability ROI, which you just touched on. And Seth, I'm not going to lie. Even on the podcast, very rarely do people touch on this. And so I really want to unpack this from you because for us, it's so important. Capability ROI is, hey, boss, here's how the project is going. We just, you know, one example would be, we just figured out how to harmonize our fraud data between this database and this database and to match it in this way. And we found two new features that we're going to start being able to track moving forward, which seem to be, by our preliminary tests, kind of some of the best indicators of, you know, whatever these leading things are, whether it be churn, whether it be fraud, whatever the case may be. And that that should be seen as a capability return on investment because that's going to allow us to do more with that data into the future. It's going to allow us to build maturity. I don't think enough people talk about this, Seth. So when you're having these check-ins on these six-week sprints, what do you have for advice about communicating value? I think a lot of people are focused just on near-term financial. You have a bigger scope here. How do you like to explain it? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think you know one thing that we didn't t- touch on is the structure of the team. And and one thing that I've started doing and encouraging people to do when you're building, and I won't go into the overall structure of the team, but one skill set I want to talk about in particular is what I started hiring as a data journalist. And think people that you know that when you go on the New York Times or Five Thirty Eight or Wall Street Journal, you have these really great graphics that you can interact with that explain really difficult conversations in a way that your grandmother can understand or your grandfather or your 10-year-old kid, right? Or maybe you, if it's a topic that, that you know, is way outside your field. When, when you, part of the human-centered approach is using design thinking and typically data visualization folks, data journalists, those, those you know, designers are going to be the ones that are doing that. Having them part of this process helps you surface these types of value statements early and quickly, uh, and maybe even help you design for that. And so we need to start looking at AI like we do with software development, or should, as it's a design process. And the end result, again, I keep saying this, the end result is a human is going to be using this or be impacted by it. The human needs to be able to understand it. And equally, if not more important, when you're trying to build these capabilities, humans that are not mathematicians, that are not data scientists, that are not data geeks or nerds like us, they need to understand what's going on and why it's going on and how it's going in a way that they can digest. And then to the point that you just made, how can I use this intermediary? How is this providing me value? Because if I'm building a model to predict lifetime value, part of getting there is just understanding my customers. Totally, totally. Do you find, Seth, any way of being able to communicate that to leadership? Because I know what a lot of, you know, we work with a lot of the services ecosystem. So if we look at our email subscribers, you know, the IBMs and Accentures of the world are a huge part of that as, as well as very, very small companies. They have this kind of wrestling that they have to go through. Internal innovation and AI leaders have this wrestling they have to go through where, man, 
the boss just wants to hear about the money, you know, like the, the boss doesn't want to hear about, oh, we understood this uh, customer purchase data better. We, we harmonize these databases and now we're going to be able to do things, these things into the future. Is there a way where you can start to make the other kinds of ROI that aren't just purely the financial uh, something that execs can actually tune into, can actually listen to? This is a big part of culture shift. Have you seen anything that gets past that barrier? Because we've heard a lot of, uh, you know, kind of kind of complaints about that. So, so I think... You know, I, I, made, I made a comment about design thinking. And, and when you do design thinking, you bring in lots of people's and, and people. And when we do these design thinking sessions around this topic, you know, enterprise design thinking for, for data and AI is what we call it. We bring senior executives into the first session, which is where we align the business strategy or the business OKRs to the AI strategy. We make them part of the conversation and we start teaching them these terminology, right? We start teaching them these concepts as part of that. And so then when we go back to them, not, not only are they more open to them, but they start asking for them, right? Okay, we had this session, what happened? We talked about, this was the thing, you know, we were gonna work on, okay, we wanna get to increasing customer lifetime value, but to do that, we need to understand what's the cost of acquisition. Do you know what the cost of acquisition is yet? Yeah, 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 okay. Got it. So make it their idea. Make it <laughs> make it something they care about. Oh man, I, I I agree with you so fervently. I could do a cartwheel, but yes, this inception and there is a very delicate balance. We've talked to leaders at Accenture, leaders at Cognizant who who have to do this. There's a very delicate balance, as you know, Seth, between educating these leaders. You know, you bring them in for the strategy session. You've got to be able to basically what, what you're doing in the strategy session in part is, listen, guys, you've got to understand these concepts and hold these projects accountable to something other than this yeah, kind of borderline unrealistic financial ROI. But you can't go out and say that you have to sort of have that stuff bubble up in the strategy session. And like you said, have it be their idea where they're asking for these things but they don't feel talked down to because they're obviously brilliant people, but AI yeah. is just not their forte. So the tactfulness of that transfer, Seth, I think is such a big part of the art and science. And and I imagine you guys have done a ton of that. We don't have the time to explore it, but it, it does feel tactful, but it does sound like for you, again, bring them in early, make sure that they learn some of these concepts so that when they start talking to project leaders, they're asking for it themselves. Make it their ideas, your big take home here. Exactly. And and it's, it's tactical in terms of, you know, in, in terms of the result is tactical, Yep. but they're there because we need to connect it to the strategy, Absolutely. right? So it's highly strategic why you're doing this. Absolutely. Getting them on board so they can help you drive the cultural change. 100%. There, there's, you know, certainly we need some of that stuff bubbling up from, from the bottom, but, you know, we haven't seen, and I don't know if you have, Seth, that much real AI adoption change happen unless the folks upstairs gradually start to get it. And getting it often means working with smart vendors who educate them without making them feel talked down to or making them feel like they're in a lecture. Those of your longtime listeners here will be aware of how many times we've covered kind of that tactful education piece. I would advocate our listeners tune into our uh, the AI Consulting Podcast to learn some more strategies about that. But Seth, this has been excellent foray into the world of culture, into the world of what it takes to make culture change top down and bottom up. I know that's all we have for time, but thank you so much for being able to share some of your rich ideas with us here on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. So that wraps up episode one of five of this series on AI culture change in the enterprise. 
Every day this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we are going to be publishing an episode on AI culture change. And our next episode is with a leader from Facebook, obviously one of the most well-known tech firms in the world, one of the companies most nimbly and profitably deploying artificial intelligence. And so we're grateful to be able to have their perspective on the program as well. So be sure to stay tuned for tomorrow as we get more into culture change from the perspective of a leader within a blazing speed AI adopter. And again, that is Facebook. If you're interested in learning more about culture change, AI strategy, and making AI stick in the enterprise, be sure to at least check out Emerge Plus. Many of our listeners, some of you included right now, are Emerge Plus members. Emerge Plus members get access to our full white paper library, AI use case library, and our AI best practice guide library. This is step-by-step infographics and guides for measuring ROI, building an AI strategy, moving forward with AI adoption, and ensuring the success of projects. If you want to learn more, go to emerj.com slash p1. That's p as in plus, and then the number one, emerj.com slash p1. That's all for this episode. Look forward to catching you on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week on this exciting theme of AI culture change in the enterprise. 